Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, in his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom, and along with our engineer, Paul, we are super excited to welcome my friend Dan Rodrigues here today. Uh, before I uh, let Dan tell us some great stories, though, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dan. I've had the pleasure of knowing him for, for many, many years. Dan's the founder and CEO of Cario, which is a SaaS company here in the healthcare industry. And Cario's continued to expand its scope of services. And, you know, I would almost call it, and I'll let Dan describe it more specifically in the way his marketing folks probably want him to uh, here in a minute, but I call it almost medical office in the cloud focused on independent physician practices. Um, and he has grown this company to be the preeminent company of its kind in the country. They've got over 50,000 customers in every state, and he's now has uh, over 600 people in the company. He's also raised a ton of money for Cario, and, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about today because obviously a, a key topic here on Accelerate OC is how do we continue to bring funding at all levels of companies here to Orange County, companies like Dance. Uh, he recently added a very, very well-known entrepreneur who's a longtime friend of his to his board of directors, um, who many of you will recognize the name, Travis Kalanick, who was the founder of Uber. And so we may uh, may try to touch on that topic a little bit today if we have time. As I mentioned, I've known Dan for a long time. I think it's been over 10 years since we first met. Um, amazing journey that he's been on with Cario. We've talked a lot about the company over the years, as well as his personal journey and growth through that. And I really want to touch on some of that today. Before Cario, he also was a, he is a serial entrepreneur. He co-founded a couple other companies. And he started his career uh, early on uh, in Seattle in a couple well-known tech companies of what I would characterize as the last generation. Uh, he was at both Vizio, which became part of Microsoft, and Real Networks. And he also is a fellow Bruin, so uh, graduate of UCLA, go Bruins. Uh, Dan, he's, he's been a cheerleader for Orange County, a big reason why I have him on. He, he's decided to build his company here. He's building his family here. He's got a big family. Puts me to shame. He's got five kids, um, and he's had those all while building Cario, which is remarkable. Uh, he's a busy guy. So thank you for being here today, Dan, and finding this time to uh, spend with us here on Accelerate OC. Yeah, you bet. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's get to the starting line. Uh, let's talk about the starting of Cario. How did it? How did it come to be? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my previous business was a software consulting company up in LA. Uh, really, a little boutique software mm -hmm. uh, consulting business. We had about a dozen engineers. I had a co-founder with me, uh, the other managing director, a guy named Kevin Smilak, who was the CTO of my first company, uh, Scour. And uh, he and I um, set out to build a little boutique consulting business mm -hmm. after going so hard at our first startup and kind of had this sort of college years that we didn't have in college. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, lived in Hermosa Beach in a bachelor pad, had sure. an office in El Segundo and um, ended up building this nice little uh, 
uh, list of clients here in uh, Southern California, uh, really small, medium-sized businesses that had some technology need, really around custom application development. Mm -hmm. And so we took on, as part of that, we took on a, a range of clients in a variety of industries. And one of the clients we took on was in the healthcare industry. And that was really um, how I got first introduced into healthcare. didn't know much about healthcare, had a client, wanted to build some software, knew mm -hmm. how to build software. Mm -hmm. And so we took on that client, and the project started very small in scope. The, the client that we had actually did uh, medical billing for physician practices, and they focused on a particular type of uh, medical doctor called a physiatrist. And physiatrists do a lot of rounds in nursing homes and other rehab facilities, okay. and they want us to build a little mobile device for uh, the physician when they were doing the rounds to capture information. And so we built that software, and then... From that, it became a document scanning and routing system, you know, scheduling system, and eventually it was a full-blown claims management system to run the financial side of a medical practice. And so after a couple of years um, in a consulting capacity, um, I really started to fall in love with the opportunity. And there are really three, three big things around that. One is that huge market. At mm -hmm. that time, the economy was in recession. Here's this industry, healthcare, that's famously grown by trillions of dollars. Uh, pretty recession proof. Pretty recession proof, <laughs> yeah. which was which is which is definitely a, a mm -hmm. good thing at that point. Um, second thing was that it just seemed like there were a lot of problems to be solved in healthcare. I was the main consultant on the project, really got into the weeds of how healthcare administration works and mm -hmm. paperwork, the rules, like uh, all the red. T it just seemed like it was crazy. Um, and then the last thing was just technology that seemed pretty antiquated. Um, having started my career in more consumer internet, consumer software, seeing the software that was used in the healthcare industry, just felt like there was a lot of opportunity uh, to improve. So big market, lots of problems, antiquated technology. Um, and so I started to think about like, hey, maybe I could start a company around um, the product that we had built and market it to other other companies. And right around that same time, um, actually more of a personal story, my father was diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. And um, um, that was a total surprise. He was super healthy, seemingly super healthy at the time, and went from being diagnosed to unfortunately passing in about four months. Hmm. And... Um, and through that experience, obviously it was a difficult personal tragedy, sure. but um, I got to see every sort of touch point of the healthcare system. And then also, um, since my parents were divorced, um, I became sort of the the caretaker, sort of the financial manager and getting all the bills and the EOBs mm -hmm. and just sort of sorting through all of that. And so... You know, I wouldn't say that that was like the the primary reason that I did it, but I think with you know with the consulting you know client and kind of getting into the space and then seeing it firsthand, uh, maybe just felt like it was a sign from the universe that maybe mm -hmm. I should give this a shot. Sure, yeah, yeah, and and probably after that experience, to some extent, you you may have even considered going on the patient consumer side. Not that the business was good, but the pain is just so totally high there. Totally, I mean, every well. aspect of it is just yeah. it was. Um, just seemed like it was really challenging. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for for telling that story. You know, it's I think it's a great story about how you turn a professional services or consulting project into a product company. Um, for people out there, you know, is is that something you think is a in general a good way to to start a company, or or do you feel like it was just that light bulb of the big market. I mean, I think some of those elements are, are generally attractive tar starter spaces to be. I mean, I think I heard Stuart McClure from silence here speak 
uh, a few months ago, and he said he got into cybersecurity because he felt like I'm going to figure out something. It's a huge market. Yeah. So you had a little bit clearer picture. Yeah, think, no. Um, actually, um, in some ways, I started a professional services company kind of by accident mm -hmm. in that um, the first company I started was an internet company. I started right mm -hmm. out of UCLA, mm -hmm. more of a product company. Um, and we had some success with that. And then I was working on a second idea in the gaming space. And then 9-11 happened. It mm -hmm. was like the absolute mm -hmm. wrong time to start a company. And especially one that would require venture backing, and so um, really, I kind of took refuge by by uh, uh, building this little boutique mm -hmm. software consulting mm -hmm. business because I had, you know, some some connections, family and friends that, and other colleagues that I met previously that you know had some software needs, and we said, well, we could take on a project here sure. and there, and then all of a sudden we be, you know kind of created the services business. But it's a great way to just get exposed to a lot of different mm -hmm. industries and a lot of different opportunities. Because you just don't know where your entrepreneurial inspiration is going to come right. from. And so it's a nice way to, to you know, earn some money, like really dig in, keep your skills sharp while you're kind of on the hunt for some opportunity that, that sure. comes knocking. And yeah, that's I the way that worked out for, for, for us um, at Carrio. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I, I think the, the thing I hear often are the people that get stuck in, in that professional services world for maybe too long or agencies yeah that is that is hard because it you gotta you gotta be willing to take the leap that's right and the, the 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 cool thing about the way we did it is we had this client and you know the stars sort of aligned because we had this client they had big you know aspirations for what they wanted uh to do in building their own custom software but they were on a limited budget mm -hmm. and so part of the way that um I segued from the consulting business to Cario as I sort of pitched, you know, a plan to that client to, you know, first buy back the IP that we had developed for them, mm -hmm. uh, sign them up as our first revenue generating customer. Mm -hmm. So we were revenue generating on day one. We could afford awesome. we could afford to hire like four or five mm -hmm. engineers to keep building the product. And then the pitch to them was, hey, we're going to go out and find a bunch of other customers just like you and sort of amortize the cost of development mm -hmm. over a bigger customer base. So you're going to get what you what you want a lot faster. And then, you know, early on, we gave them a small uh, equity stake in the new business, and it, it, it totally worked out perfectly. That's awesome. Yeah, so, that, I think that is a huge story for people to really understand that, you know, to your point, a lot of ways to draw that entrepreneurial inspiration. Yeah. And if you can figure out how to have that first customer, have them paying you yeah, from that's, day one. I mean that that is it's uh, gold. It's golden yeah. if you can find it. Yeah. And but you gotta but you gotta have the courage to jump out because like that first year, while we were generating revenue, all that revenue was going into you're like not paying the yourself. employees. So that's I wasn't right. paying myself exactly. for probably eighteen months, and obviously that was different than you know having a, a good stable of clients as a mm -hmm. consulting business and and, right. and having regular income coming in. Yeah, that's that is so. often the big, the big leap that people have to make. So yeah, yeah great, great detailed stories. I think hope, I know the audience is going to greatly appreciate. It, so thank you for that. So you have this first customer. Sometimes, and I've seen this where that first customer is almost the wrong indicator of a market. Right? It could it could lead you down this pathway, and I'm not obviously that hasn't happened with Carrier. You you've been really smart about it but what what was the moment where you thought oh i've i've really got something here was it that first customer or was it sometime a bit later 
Well, I would say, first of all, like the, the risk that you're talking about, like, you know, having one customer kind of lead you the wrong direction. We certainly had our fair share of that sure. um, early on. Um, you know, at Carrier, we, we took on, initially we were selling into these uh, medical billing companies as sort of an indirect path to get to physician mm-hmm. practices. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we took on, we took on some early clients that had us, you know, kind of chasing down rabbit holes that turned out were not representative of mm-hmm. what the market, you mm-hmm. know, in general needed. And so we, we definitely had some, some hard lessons around that, but it's all about kind of recovering from that sure. and like understanding it and like moving on. But yeah, I would say in terms of like the moment, you know, when, when kind of we thought, okay, things are really working. Um, the interesting thing is that for us, I don't know that there was like a single moment in time where like, okay, we got this. Mm-hmm. It was more sort of building momentum over kind of a series of, of those types of moments. I mean, obviously the first one was, wow, okay, you know, we negotiated this this really creative deal to get the business started and we sure. were revenue generating on day one. That was like, okay, that's, that's something. Sure. Um, and then, you know, going from that, spending about nine to 12 months, taking what was a very custom solution and trying to broaden the appeal to other customers. And then, and then getting that first next customer, mm-hmm. or one could say like, tr- like real cust like your first true real customer, mm-hmm. um, besides that founding customer. Um, that was a huge moment. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but, um, I, you know, after having gone through kind of the dot-com era and then seeing the recession afterwards, mm-hmm. at first I thought that was n- I wasn't going to raise any capital. And meanwhile, I had some friends that um, I knew from kind of my first startup days um, that had a lot of relationships in Silicon Valley. And I went up there and just kind of talked about the idea. And first of all, like half the, well, probably 80% of the VCs I talked to warned me about selling any kind of, any kind of software technology into doctors. <laughs> so first of all, they're like, hey, we've funded so many companies that have sure. tried and failed at the space. Don't do it. Yeah. So there was a little bit Kinda of a like cautionary tale. lawyers when so I that, so that, was, that, that was probably like an anti-moment. But then yeah. that was closely followed by, um, I got introduced uh, to an early investor um, in Cario. His name is Halsey Miner, who um, was pretty well known back in like the early sort of mm-hmm. internet 1.0 days he started uh, cnet and uh supplied the software that became the vignette content management system mm-hmm. and then he was also a huge um investor in salesforce.com before they went public made a ton of money off that and you know i sat down with him and he you know we talked a little bit about the idea it's like hey it's it's. I think even then it wasn't cloud, and it was it was like on demand software. Sure. So it was like on de- on demand yeah. software for healthcare. It was like <laughs> wow. Okay, that's a big idea. You know, that's a huge market, mm-hmm. and um, you know, got um, you know essentially, I guess it would be called a seed round. To you know, today at that time it was a Series A mm-hmm. on very entrepreneurial, you know, favorable terms. Which I thought, okay, somebody else believes in the idea. That's a moment. Sure. And then, and and maybe another year or so later, um, we transitioned our sales model from one that was like outbound, like calling into these billing companies and really just fighting tooth and nail to get customers, to really redesigning our go-to-market around a very self-service kind of online buying process. And this was right around the time a lot of small business customers were going to Google to search for software, mm-hmm. and we just got really good at you know, uh, paid search, you know, driving customers to landing pages, you know, having all of our product information on the website and getting doctors to sign up online with a credit card without ever talking to a salesperson. And so that was like a really cool moment too. It was like, 
wow, okay, a doctor would re-engineer their entire office mm-hmm. after just going to a website and learning about a product and dropping their credit card and signing up for it. I was like, okay, we might we might be onto something here. Yeah, that's a big when when somebody's almost defying what anybody else in the market believes they were willing to do. Yeah, that's a that's a. And I also have a funny thing. story about that. There's a local uh, VC who will remain nameless that I went and pitched the idea, and um, let's just say that the VC basically said, "Hey, I, I just don't believe you know doctors are going to be you know buying their software on the internet." And th- I mean, this was like, this wasn't that long ago. This mm-hmm. was like maybe, I don't know, 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like everything is going to be bought on the internet. So that, that was a funny story. That's right. But yet there's still, I, I had a conversation as recently as yesterday okay. um, about a company that shall remain nameless who is believes that they aren't losing share right now to businesses buying products on Amazon. They think there's no way a business owner is going to go and buy something for their business on Amazon. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Somehow we we don't could, always could be want wrong it. could be wrong about that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I think I think those are are key lessons as an entrepreneur that at times you're going to see things that other people won't. And yeah. those biases that we all carry can be really really powerful too. Totally. resisting change so great great story i think the, the stories are are super helpful so thank you so you've built it here in orange county i know you've expanded into some other places and um, we've talked about that over the years but i feel like you're all in on orange county let's let's talk first about what do you feel like has worked well being here in orange yep. county um well look i mean uh, what's worked well Obviously, there's a lot that's worked um, for us mm-hmm. to get to where we are mm-hmm. today. Absolutely. So I think um, while we can certainly wade into the, some of the challenges in Orange County, there's definitely a lot to be said about Orange County. And and you look what the reason why I started the business here. I mean, probably a lot. The reason the same reason that a lot of entrepreneurs do is that they grow up here, mm-hmm. and they just think it's such a great place to live. And wow, if you could uh, really build a company here that's successful and and be able to live in this wonderful place, like how fantastic would that be? Absolutely. And for me, I'm a little bit of a side tangent, but I, I think I shared this story with you once. But um, when I was growing up here and going through high school, um, my mom was uh, basically had two jobs, and she was moonlighting as a desktop publisher, and mm-hmm. she helped a couple of Orange County companies, like the like at the founder or kitchen table, like get their business started. One was the Upper Deck Baseball mm-hmm. Card Company. Another mm-hmm. one was a company called Hooked on Phonics. It was a popular reading program. Both of those companies went from like nothing to 500 employees in a couple of years, and for me as an entrepreneur, that was like a big source of inspiration. Absolutely. Like, wow, you could really do that, and that happened here in Orange County. So just like, well, why couldn't you do it, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think there's a lot of things that have worked. Uh, first of all, um, there's great talent here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's you know maybe not as well understood or recognized, but there are awesome people in Orange County that have a really diverse background and mix of skills. And even where you need to go deep, like there's some there's some folks that can go deep, like especially around technology and product role. So mm-hmm. that's been awesome for us. Um, look, it's a huge you know it's a huge geo. I mean, it's a huge market for us. We've got lots of small business customers, lots of doctors, mm-hmm. and so for us as we were building our product, I mean, there's tons of doctors' offices to go to in Absolutely. Orange County. Needless to say, right? And that helped a lot because like just getting in front of customers, spending time, having them walk through the product, and like 
in that sort of development phase of the business. That was huge. You know, we ultimately, we, we have raised a lot of capital. And while there are certainly challenges to being an Orange County company and attracting um, the you know the capital as easily as, let's say, if you were in Silicon Valley or Seattle or New York or, or, or Boston, um, it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely possible. And, um, you know, we've, we've obviously... Uh, had a lot of success with that. So, you know, and then uh, the the last thing, I mean, it's just such a great place to live and work. And I think that's a, that's a huge draw and, you know, something that we're still benefiting from. So uh, there's a lot that, that is working. We can talk about the things that need to be improved and how do we build the, the technology and the startup community here. But, uh, but look, if there's a will, there's a way. Sure. And uh, I think the Cario story among other stories here in Orange County, has shown that you really can do it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you. And so let's let's switch gears for a second. What what do you as you've looked at sort of you know building it here? You talk about you know capital probably not quite as easy. Are there any other challenges that you see in being in Orange County from things you just like to highlight? That it's really more toward what should we be as a community thinking about to make it easier for the next generation of entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, absolutely. No. So I think I think as I was um building Cario, I think that certainly there were a lot of challenges. And there's just a like to be honest with you, there's just a lot of challenges for you know, starting a business wherever Period. you're located. Yes. I was looking at a stat the other day and it's like the number of companies that that um that get to uh you know, 100 million in revenue from startup. It's like it's like one in like 3,000 oh, yeah. companies or yeah. something like that. Very so it's just like in some ways, like to be an entrepreneur is like an e- economically irrational decision to begin with. So you're going to face tons of challenges wherever you are. I think in Orange County, um, some of the challenges we faced um, early on was was capital raising, and I think um, I think um, if I were to put a finer point on it, you know, we started uh, really trying to find capital from the local kind of private capital sure. market, and I think that. You know, we ran into some challenges with that just because, I you know, we were talking before the show. It's just it's it's a little bit different than than some other sort of um, more established um, venture communities in that there's probably a little bit less risk taking. You know, wanting a, f- a lot more proof points. Mm-hmm. There's certainly you know a lot of there there were a lot of um, you know potential sources that we we talked to, but that weren't really actively investing a ton, and so you start to kind of chase some of those opportunities maybe they're not real opportunities and Mm -hmm. i think you know um you know fortunately or or unfortunately we had to kind of go outside of orange county to raise capital and focus on you know more bay area or east coast investors i think once we you know kind of made that decision and pivot we we definitely saw a lot of opportunities and were able to raise the capital that we needed on the terms that we needed to do it but um, you know, at least at the time that we did a lot of capital raising, we kind of had to go outside of Orange County. Sure. But there is, there definitely is a growing number of uh, venture firms that you know certainly there's still a lot that that's going into Silicon Valley and some of the the tier one markets. But there's also a growing number of venture firms that realize that those markets are getting very competitive, mm-hmm. and it costs a lot to build a company there, and they're looking at second tier markets. And I think you know Orange County is one of a collection of cities that that have a lot of the core ingredients that should be successful with that kind of um that transition that's happening in the capital community the other thing that the other challenge that we've had is um and this has been more in the last three or four years 
is as the company has grown and gotten to scale, more senior executive talent. Hmm. So, um, you know, basically half of my executive team, I've had to end up recruiting from outside of Orange County and Mm -hmm. bringing them into Orange County. In an ideal world, we would have a strong enough talent ecosystem with experience at that later stage to just find everyone locally. Um, Mm -hmm. Because certainly there are advantages to having people with deep roots in Orange County and are already here. Um, So that would be another challenge. And then maybe the last is... You know, product. Now they're here, so now they're, the, yeah. they're probably not they're, going, they're now, like, yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. Hopefully, we can exactly. uh, they can start to plant those roots. That's right. And then the last one, maybe, is just um, you know, it's obvious, but as a software company, the core of it is product, UX, engineering, talent. And I would say there's a lot of it here, but you can always have more. Okay. And I would say, you know, what I've seen different, like now than maybe ten years ago. Ten years ago, like you couldn't find them. Now, I think there's a, a much uh, more stronger talent pool. But now you also have some companies like Cario that have kind of reaching scale and like mm-hmm. actually starting to suck in a lot of talent. So the ones that are really good, it's, it's probably a little bit more competitive today than it maybe it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think to your point, we, uh, we still have the ingredients. We have all the advantages if we can connect these pieces together. Absolutely. But capital continues to still be the, the one that most folks like you will hold out from the especially the early stages because once once you get going you start to get some momentum and some reputation the capital will find you or you yep. can find it wherever it is and my great hope obviously is that we get more local capital here investing in local companies here and we create a little bit of that reinvestment effect that you see happening in so many other markets yeah totally so let's go a little bit more under the hood um, you have You've raised a lot of capital yeah. now for Cario. How have you gotten comfortable with fundraising? Because this is a topic uh, a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. talk to me about: refining their pitch, figuring out who to talk to. You know, you're a great storyteller, but what, what is it that uh, has you know what? What have you done to really get more comfortable with fundraising? Yeah. Um, first of all, I think it's important to always have a certain level of discomfort with sure. <laughs> raising <Sure>. capital, yeah. <laughs> um, because uh, I think that's a good for point. a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is it is sort of a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for Cario, I mean, every business is a bit different, and should obviously tailor their financing strategy to to the business and the opportunity. I think for us, we thought, you know, it's a it's a huge market. You know, it's a big idea. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be a really big company, and we wanted to scale fast. And we thought the key to doing that was, you know, obviously there's a lot of things you do in the business, but certainly having the capital to drive that growth, um, particularly once you kind of find you know, initial product market fit, and you know there's a market out there, and mm-hmm. you want to go after it. Um, for us, I think raising capital helped um, us really start to pull ahead of some of our early competitors. But I, I will say that there's obviously a, a downside, right, to raising capital. I think the the key is just um, is really, and it's hard to do, but is is forcing yourself to like like maintain that discipline. I mean, there's definitely been um, a few more than more than a couple near death experiences for Cario in the early mm-hmm. days where we almost ran out of money, and and it's just it's such a focusing, you know, uh, set of constraints mm-hmm. um, and pressure. That um, where you kind of do your best work and you're most productive. It doesn't feel like it at the time. It sure. feels like it's like miserable. And mm-hmm. if like you could only just have a bunch of money in your bank account, mm-hmm. all of your problems will be solved. But the truth is that 
all of your problems aren't solved by that. It just creates, you know, some of them are solved, but it creates some new, new problems. Mm-hmm. And so I think if anything that I've learned um, from the capital raising is, is um, you know, is just, you know, fighting the temptation to let that kind of discipline sort of wane a, a bit mm-hmm. and, and really thinking carefully about how you're deploying your capital as you're growing mm-hmm. your business. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great, great lesson to, to share. Thank you for that. You, you made, at one point, several acquisitions yeah. in the company, uh, which is you know, somewhat a function of the capital that you had and mm-hmm. somewhat a function of, of even the, the expansion of your vision and, and the business. What, what have you learned from that phase that you would yeah. you know, take with you uh, later into Cario or, or you know, would share with others? Yeah. So Cario, we've, we've made um, essentially two product-type acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Um, one was like a technology asset purchase. The other one was actually a, like buying a small startup. Um, and then we also made a number of acquisitions around the services side of our business. And I would, I would say that the acquisitions were, you know, were an important part of our strategy. It did help us expand our product line, um, and grow the company, uh, more quickly than we would have done without the acquisitions. But I will say that it, you know, having gone through it now a few times, like integrating and realizing the value of an acquisition is a hell of a lot harder than it looks. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is. And I think that, you know, in some ways it was a little bit of the beginner's mindset. Like we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. And we're just like, you know, through caution, the wind, let's do this, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, I think making it work and realizing the value is, is really challenging. And a lot of it comes down to, just being realistic about what it is that you're buying. Um, the other thing is that the people side is, is everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all comes down to the people. And if, if the situation with the principals and some of the other key people that you're bringing over an acquisition are not right and are not aligned, like there's, it's, there's nothing you can do about mm-hmm. that. And it's, and it's really trying to, you know, force a square peg through a round hole and it can create a lot of problems. So I think, I think maybe having gone through it a bit, um, I'm not like anti-acquisition sure. as a means of growing. It's just I think that I've learned a lot and I'm probably smarter now and I'd be a bit more cautious and thoughtful both about the business case as well as, you know, the steps for integration and, and most importantly, just, you know, the people and giving the people a bear hug and making sure that sure. it's going to be a successful cultural integration for the business. So those are some of the things I've learned. That's that's great. It, it seems like to me, if you're going to do a single one, almost doesn't seem in many cases worth doing. And if you're going to do it, it's a, we're going to intentionally build an expertise yeah. and a cultural strategy. Uh, yeah, and I also think, strategy that, I think that's yeah. absolutely right. And I, I would say that maybe building on that point, um, you know, I think that sometimes the the buy case um, is a lot more optimistic than the build case, mm-hmm. and that you don't necessarily have to to buy into a capability or mm-hmm. or kind of new growth channel. Um, you can build it too, and just like being really realistic about you know what's involved in both, because there's there's certainly pros and cons to both approaches. Sure, makes makes a ton of sense. So, what's your vision? You, you you've been at this now for. Well over ten years, Dan. What what is the vision you have for Cario over the next few years? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I'll kind of go back to like the the vision. In in some ways, is has 
you know, kind of more or less remain the same since we started the business, which is, I think, a good test of a vision. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I'll share where we're at with that journey and what's happened in the market since we started the business. I think that, um, you know, when I when I started the company, the only really technology that a doctor used in their office was their billing system. And over the past 10 years, that's changed dramatically. And now um, doctors are taking advantage of technology in so many different ways. They're using electronic health records to manage all their patient data and mm-hmm. how they perform you know, their, you know, their, their service. They're also leveraging tools for marketing and CRM-type functions in the practice. Like every aspect of the medical practice is getting automated. Um, and I think that's a good thing, but I think that uh, the thing that's interesting for me when we started the company is doctors have such a difficult job. There's mm. so many things, so many distractions that get in the way of them kind of practicing medicine. Doing what their they patients. signed up to do. It's crazy. Right? Yes. I mean, a lot of it has to do with government regulations and some of the things that come there. But a lot of it just has to do with just the utter fragmentation and complexity of the industry. And so the the vision for us is like there's all these things that have gotten in the way of doctors just doing their job and like mm. practicing medicine giving all of us as patients like a great experience Mm -hmm. and um and uh and as the technology um in medical offices expanded over the past 10 years a lot of that's been driven by the adoption of electronic health records which had a sort of a government mandated Mm -hmm. checklist of requirements and unfortunately unlike a lot of other verticals i think software has kind of failed um doctors in the healthcare industry Mm. and it's and it's still if you talk to doctors it's still like really hard for them to do their work between the technology and all the business distractions and so forth. And so we think that that there's still this opportunity for software to play a really critical role in how doctors practice medicine and running a successful clinic. And we're not there yet. And so I think our vision is really to, to you know, see if we can get to that, see if we can um, you know, get through all of these changes that have happened in the industry and really bring forward like you said, a, a kind of a, a medical office in the cloud that's that's integrated, has all the functions they need for the practice. It's really easy to use and it eliminates all the unnecessary work in a practice and ultimately makes that practice profitable um, and, you know, providing a great patient experience to all of us. And that's kind of the nirvana. We're not quite sure. there yet. I'm ready to go and, if, if, go back to see a doctor when yeah, that's a reality. And, and yeah. so, like, like, we want to make that real. And I think if we make that real... Um, you know, first of all, I think Cario can become a big, important, valuable company, you know, in our industry. And as we do that, there's going to be a lot of options for where we, where we go with the business and how we, um, all stakeholders realize value from that. That's great. Well, Dan, I would sit here probably for the next two hours and, and continue this conversation, but Paul is giving me the, He's giving uh, the, the time sign. <laughs> so, uh, one of the, the things that I ask all of our guests on Accelerate OC is to, to share a, a lesson or experience that they feel like they could pass along to other listeners and, and entrepreneurs out there. So, you know, whether in, in your Cario experience or, uh, you know, in, in your journey so far, what would you love to, to share with our listeners? Yeah, you, you, uh, you asked me that question a couple of days ago, and I've been thinking about it. And I would say for me, the, my lesson as an entrepreneur is really, um, really three three things, um, you know. And going back to where you know we talked about a few minutes ago, it's you know there's so many the the, the odds are really stacked against mm-hmm. you as an entrepreneur, um, and so that's kind of the way that I think about the lessons I've learned. Is first you gotta love what you do, um, 
And I would say the Orange County angle is you've, you got to love where, where you do it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. you got to love what you do and where you do it. And that's so important because you're going to hit so many challenges along the way that if you don't fundamentally love it and you don't enjoy the adventure and the challenge and the you know how scared you are, how excited you are, like you can't get through all of that. Right. So you got to love it. Second, secondly, um, you also, and this goes back to like really the concept of a business, is like you really got to be honest with yourself about what the opportunity is. We were talking about that with some of the things that you've uh, been working on lately. And you got to really look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, is there a big market opportunity here? And yeah, there's so many reasons why it could fail, but like, is there a fundamental like North Star that's like mm-hmm. true and real and mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. that you believe in? And if you've got those two ingredients, then it just comes down to, in, in my um, my view, tenacity and resilience. Because there's going to be so many times that you get knocked down. There's going to be so many things that that you run up against that seem like they're impossible to overcome. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of companies fail, um, not because the business fails, but because the the entrepreneur fails the business. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, it's it's more often that the entrepreneur gives up on the business than the business is unsuccessful. So if you just, if you just have the sheer grit and you can grind it out and, and overcome those challenges and bounce back from, um, you know, setbacks and, and so forth. Like, you know, you're, you know, if you're willing to put in the time and do the work, like you can make it successful if you got those other two things. And I think that's, that's one of the lessons I've learned because as you know, it's been like, I'm like 15 years into this and we're at a great place right now, mm-hmm. but, um, we definitely had like bumps along the way. And like, there's probably a half dozen times that we could have failed as a business. And I think it's just like, you know, taking a step back and just going back at the problem once again, and so those, those three things, you got to love what you do. You got to be honest about the opportunity. You got to have the tenacity and resilience that great entrepreneurs have. That's amazing perspective. And, you know, and I get to share with the, the uh, listeners, I, I can see it in your eyes. And I think that that is something I've always appreciated is you just, you have that grit and tenacity about you. And, you know, I, I appreciate our, our friendship and all the conversations we've had and, I'm so happy to see the great success that, that you've enjoyed, uh, even though it has been, you know, it, yeah. it's not without its challenges, but that's that's every entrepreneur who's really honest, I think, is going to, uh, you know, at some point admit that there were challenges along the way. So uh, I just want to yeah. quickly call you out, Carrie, because I think, you know, you've talked a lot about building the community here in Orange County. And I think a big part of that is having people that are connectors that are bringing people together. And I think that, you know, you're, you're one of the very few people here in Orange County that stand out as someone that's really working hard to create an awesome, like, tech environment. And just being willing to do shows like this and, like, connecting people and all the different events that we do. And so keep doing it because I think that's going to have a big impact on this, this community here in OC. Well, just, uh, just trying to do my small part, as you know. So, Dan, thanks so much for taking us along on this ride today. And... And really leading by example here, you're doing your part for sure to Accelerate OC. Welcome to the family. You bet. My pleasure. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together. 